Hey everyone, welcome to the Practica Podcast, where we encourage the practical application of the pulpit ministry in the local church. I am one of your hosts, Josh Loftus. And I am the other host. You are the host with the most. What happens when people listen to this if like someone else were to be on and say, I'm the other host, and then we just act as though like it's me the whole time? That's right. And don't say a word. Would they be able to tell? I don't know. That's the first question. We should come do up with like some a, kind of prize. If we have, had somebody yeah. else on, can you yeah. tell if it's somebody else? And can you not only tell if it's somebody else, can you tell who it is? Ooh. We get like bonus two points. Bonus, bonus, yeah, brownie points. Yeah. 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 That's basically going to tell us whether or not we have distinct enough voices. Maybe I need a different voice. I could do the movie trailer voice for the rest of this podcast. No, I don't think you should. I think I should. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, I was just going to say, you really want to. Welcome to the Practica Podcast. See, you should come up with dad jokes in the future and do them yes, in the... Yes, I should. In the like, movie announcer Please voice. Please turn in your Bibles to the book of First John. <laughs> you know what's terrible? I bet you there's a church out there that has some kind of like intro video. Oh, 100%. That does well, that. it's it's the countdown to service start is yep. what it is. Five, oh, man. All four. the things... I know, like, I have done in ministry that I'm like, oh, Lord, you are so gracious and You're so merciful. such a heathen. Uh, yeah. I mean, no, but yeah. <laughs> Let me count the ways. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to. We, we don't need to count the ways right no, now. No. Okay. I feel like if we went down the rabbit trail, though, of, like, my own history, we would be like, oh, man, God is merciful. Oh, I mean, oh, 100%. I mean, it, it's the same thing with me, dude. Like, it might look different, but I think back to... You know, 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago even. Yeah. Where I'm like, man, I believe that. Yeah. Like, that's whack, man. Yeah. Like, I remember really doing, whack. I remember doing uh, college ministry and before I would like, I don't know if you can call it preaching. I was learning expository, so I was trying to preach. When, right before that, we would do like video clips that were what we thought were quote unquote relevant yeah, to the yeah. sermon. And yeah, it's, it's interesting. All the things you think are pragmatically relevant. And yeah. then you, then you start to really study the scriptures and come across some it's sound. Like, it's theology. like, I know you think he's prolific, but shoving a Wes Anderson movie into your sermon <laughs> just isn't going to work. Like, yeah. He just speak. he just speaks with such, such like nuance. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> well, again, God is so good, so gracious. Yes, He is. And Amen to that. Yeah, it's a it's wonderful to continue to grow in just week after week, verse after verse. Yep. Exposition of the Word. So that's the way yeah. it is, man. Give it to me. Shoot but, it into my veins. But as they before, say. yeah, we will. But before that, uh, it has now been changed to where I bring you dad jokes. See, and here's the thing. Yeah, okay. give your excuse, Josh. It's not an excuse. <laughs> it might yeah, be an excuse. Totally. Defend your it's excuse. It's about time you put some skin in the game <laughs> for this podcast. It's about time that you start showing up with something prepared. Whatever helps you sleep at night. It does help me sleep at night because I don't have to think of any dad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't go. have to spend the minute and a half of Googling that I would do before every podcast. Well, I don't know how good these are, but I do have a couple for you. All right. Lay them on me. Um, so I met a microbiologist today. Did you? I did. He oh, was man. much bigger than I expected. <laughs> uh, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> you and your voice. I'm just going to break it out. I'm going to break out the movie trailer voice whenever 
I want to. <laughs> I was trying to think of like a, a situational thing, but I was like, yeah. you know what? No, it's going to be whenever I want to. I don't know that I yeah. like the, the answer that is just whenever I want to. <laughs> hey, you know what? We all got to deal with things in this life we don't like. And the question is, uh, do you deal with them? So is that just... my way of knowing when you don't like something you're dealing yes. with in relation yeah. to me? When, <laughs> when I disagree out? with something you say or I want you to move on, the oh, trailer man. voice is going to come out. Oh, goodness. Okay. All right. All right. Well, here's another one. Yes. You, yes. These this, is your chan- of... this is your chance to redeem yourself. That okay. one was, yeah. 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 Well, that one is one that like my kids thought was really funny. So that was a kid-friendly one. Oh, um, not okay. that you're going to get like, I was going to say, we're about to get real. <laughs> no. Spoiler, <laughs> Spoiler I'm gonna put, I'm going to put the little E on this Earmuff episode. Children. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Explicit. Uh, the other ones are more like one-liners, and I thought they were so funny. Okay. Um, but right. it takes guts to be an organ donor. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Okay, one, one more. Oh, man. Listen. I, I get a bonus one. You do. It's one last one. Okay. Uh, and I want you to know, I'm not going to wear glasses anymore. Okay. I have just, I've seen enough. <laughs> Again. That one's probably the best one. Yeah. But it's still, it's like being the best of the worst. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But in this day and age, I really felt like that one was appropriate because at this point, there are some cases where I'm like, I feel like I actually have seen enough. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we've been a whole afternoon talking about things that we've seen enough today. Yeah. I and feel like for some reason, we decided, we decided let's hit record. Let's hit record because we're both in great moods now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's the best time to talk about uh, the application of scriptures when oh, you're grumpy. Man. But I do love that the introduction of this podcast has become. Um, like the beginning of it is focused on having a few laughs. Oh yeah, not taking ourselves too seriously. I think that's always a healthy reminder. Getting some some good clean jokes out there and enjoying enjoying some humor. Here's the thing: before we if, get to if these things, hundred percent, yeah, a- a- absolutely. If your theology, your study of it, does not produce in you a heart of joy because of the truths that you have learned and that you you've studied if that doesn't produce in you a heart of joy that then produces a love of laughter you're doing it wrong that's my opinion i really do i really it's not that there aren't times where we need to be solemn or times where we need to be serious of course there are but as a general rule i think christians should be the happiest and the most joy-filled people yeah because we have the really the only reason to be joyful I mean, we've got Jesus. He saved us. He loves us. He intercedes for us. We have a father that listens to our prayers. Man, life's good. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Well, on that note. All right. uh, This last Sunday, we were in 1 John chapter 2, and we looked at verses 24 through 27. So, Josh, will you you read that? I will. uh, As we get into the discussion. And I'm, I'm feeling a lot better. Now, Good. so I think uh, you can read it. I think I can actually read it. Like I literally couldn't last time. Well, um, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say I say that now. All right, here we go. First John chapter two, starting in verse twenty-four through twenty-seven. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He made to us eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. 
But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as he taught you, abide in him. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God endures forever. Amen. Amen, indeed. All right, David, why don't you kind of run us through your sermon real quick, and then uh, we've actually got some questions that we'll we'll hop into, and uh, yeah, yeah, it'll be great. Yeah. Go for it. uh, You know, one one of the common and really we could say major words in that section was uh, the concept of abiding, um, that we must abide in Christ. We must abide in who Christ truly is. That was really the heart of the exposition in the beginning. And of course, John is dealing with those who are um, really who he calls deceivers. They were antichrists, those who did not confess that Jesus is the Christ. And so they did not abide. And I think what's fascinating is that there's a way in which ultimately John is calling the church to remain in certain ways in which these false teachers weren't. That was one of the questions that was posed to us that can be really answered even now is, you know, the question in regards to how is John dealing with that 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 terminology of abiding? And you see that he's calling for the believers to abide in Christ, to abide in the true confession, um, which the false teachers are not doing. And he's calling the church to even abide in, in the local church, uh, abide in that fellowship and in that community according to their profession of faith and their orthodox belief. And so we really examined what it means to abide, to really remain and remain faithful in uh, Christ and in the body of Christ, and also to really guard against those deceivers. Um, And so I really tried to handle in that, in the middle of our exposition, the reality that you need pastors who are defending against false teachers and their teachings, and you need a church that's growing up into Christ where they also are seeking to be discerning about the false teachers in their midst. And so there was really a need to look at what it means to abide in the gospel, to guard against the many deceivers that are even in the church today, and also um, to remember that when these false teachings come in and especially will claim like, well, yeah, okay, you have Jesus, but you need to understand our teaching. You need to have these extra things. John concluded by literally saying, listen, you have nobody that needs to teach you. Uh, Truly, you know, what John was dealing with was an early form of Gnosticism. It wasn't explicitly Gnosticism, but clearly the, the issues he was dealing with among what was called... Um, docetism or Greek philosophical dualism, all of these things that messed with uh, the deity of Christ, the personhood of Christ, the, the, the triune nature of our God, all of these things were things that those teachers came in and really said, like, we have a, we have a secret kind of teaching. We have a, a specific kind of knowledge that you don't have, but you can receive. And basically, John is saying, no, that's not true at all. You have been taught by the Holy Spirit. You've received the apostolic testimony, so abide in it. And so in that, really, the heart of the exposition was about abiding. How do we remain in Christ? How do we continue to grow up into Christ? And how do we seek to be maturing? How do we seek to continue not only in our abiding, but also in the way in which we are discerning 
and even growing in our devotion to the Lord and who he is. And so that was really the heart of that exposition, to abide in the gospel, to guard against many deceivers, and to really understand that we have the anointing from the Holy Spirit that Christ has, that our prophet, priest, and king has promised us, and we have that. And so we still need uh, human teachers in the church. Uh, We're not promised that we'll automatically understand everything, Um, but we don't need anyone coming in and saying, hey, I have this fresh revelation. I have this new thing. I have this extra thing. Um, And so while God has gifted some teachers and preachers, it doesn't mean they have a better or special anointing. We have the anointing through the Holy Spirit. So that's really the heart of what we talked about um, in this. And really the, the, the driving theme is abide, guard against, and remember. Yeah. You know, yeah, 100%. That, that, and that's really, really good stuff. I think it, it, brings, it brings to mind for me a couple things. One is kind of what I have seen individuals, some individuals, do with this verse is they they attempt to use it as a proof and as a uh, as an excuse to not invest or not it not need the church right right as they listen they say well look look I've got the anointing right here John says I don't need anybody right I don't need I don't need this I don't need other people all I've if I've got the Holy Spirit I've got everything that I need right um, and that's that's I would say a drastically um and dangerously incorrect interpretation of that verse. Right? Yeah, we we right. had covered that in the exposition and that really the Spirit's anointing doesn't assume that you have all knowledge. It doesn't assume that right. you're perfectly wise. It, it means the helper will give you discernment, but maturity and wisdom are not automatically guaranteed to you with age. Sure. They are dependent really upon a humble and teachable heart. They are. And yeah. so the spirit does work in that to to really bring forth that wisdom and that discernment. But yeah, there are many who say, "Well, I'm I have an anointing, you know, and therefore I know I can I can exegete that. I don't need a pastor. I don't need right. a local church." Right. And they really misuse John, which is funny because they use the writing, you know, truly we know that God's word um is inspired. We know that it is Theonustos. It is God breathed. And therefore, from Genesis to Revelation, there's one divine author. But God used the apostles. And so it's funny that people use John to reject uh, other. To John. Yeah, really. (laughs) Simply put, that's the funny thing. And that just doesn't make sense. And I think that's a. Something to be cautious against, mm-hmm. especially with those who are critical in the local church. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's I think one one of one point of application for this is is understand that we just just as humans, those who still fight against their sin nature, right? We are very prone to pride, and we're very prone to thinking that we've got it all figured out. We're thinking it, it's very easy to fall into the trap of, oh, look, I mean, I've got all of these textbooks and all of these things and I can, you know, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. I'm good. I'm good. I've got everything that I need. Right. And we very quickly discount 
the wisdom and accountability that comes from our brothers and sisters in the church and, and our pastors, right? Those those that are over us in the church, right? And it's right. it's interesting to me how people and 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 this is coming from a guy who like I mean, I definitely have to fight against it, but I know it was very prevalent in my life is that is that I because of the things I knew I knew accountability was something that I kind of rejected. Right. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the gathering of believers was something that I kind of rejected. And and it's not that I stopped going to church or anything like that, but I stopped viewing pastors or individuals as people that could speak into my life in a very profound and biblical way, because I thought that I knew more than them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I think there's a mentality even to, have the idea that we've arrived. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. We have this idea that, you know, I've been, whether we've been theologically trained or we have been, you know, stamped with the approval of our tradition, we have the tendency to roll into a local church and think, well, I already have that all together. So I hear you talking, Pastor, or I I hear you, you know, uh, communicating these things, elders. Um, but I've I've already got my theological system, and what's dangerous right. about that is then we don't know or even care about what our pastors preach, teach, and believe. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things we even covered in regards to verse twenty six, because you know John is sit communicating to the church with a pastoral care, saying, "I'm writing to you about those who are deceiving you. Yeah. I want you to be aware. I want you to be discerning, and I want you to know that this is first a need for the pastor to care about and also for the body to care about. And so you have this this element where John is saying a pastor has to care about the doctrine and the devotion of the church. Mm-hmm. He has to know the gospel, he has to love the gospel, and he has to defend the gospel if necessary. Yeah. But he is simply a model for that. <laughs> really, that means the whole church needs to do that. And so that is one thing that I think has even... I mean, of course, not to step on a soapbox, but I think even it was intensified through the pandemic mm. was, you know, we're all at home. We can go listen to our favorite teachers. And so what we prioritize is the subjects we're most interested in. Yeah. And so we don't even have an awareness at times. What is our pastor working through theologically? Where is he at? Who does he listen to? And not because we have to be, you know, an exact imprint of our pastor, but man, it's fascinating how much you tend to hear when you ask people, you know, who's been the biggest pastoral influence on your life? The local pastor yeah. is not even present. Yeah, and often. that's right. And that's not a notoriety thing. That's not a. I, I have no care if if well, I mean, I do care spiritually for our people in this, but it doesn't offend me if people talk about their favorite preachers. But for people to apply things to their life based on their favorite preachers and not really have a concern for what does my pastor preach? What does my pastor think about? What does mm-hmm. my pastor uh, become influenced by? Yeah. Those are some really important things because John and the other apostles and the elders in the Ephesian church are definitely influenced in thinking in a particular way. Right. Uh, I brought up Acts 20 and the reality that Paul's saying, listen, fierce wolves are going to come in. And that's the same that's the same church that John is dealing with. Yeah. And he's saying, listen, as elders, we need to guard against this. Yeah. 
And I think so often we have we have the tendency, maybe even thinking of, well, I've just got my favorite teacher, so I hear my pastor on Sunday, I hear mm-hmm. these people, and we're just kind of thrown around at times in a in a a, a theological echo chamber, and we don't always yeah. think through, you know, even man, uh, is what I'm taking in valuable? Am I hearing contradicting messages? And is this valuable to my sanctification? Well, well, and and also, like, I think an important question to ask is not only is it valuable, but is this manifesting itself in my life in a good way, right? Because right. theology is valuable, right? Like, Absolutely. like, like studying God is valuable. We we would confess that wholeheartedly, right? But there must be a purpose to the study. And if it's simply just to understand the arguments or to fill your head with knowledge, you're missing the point of it, right? That's the whole point of preaching. That's the whole point of this podcast, right? And and something and this leads into the, to the second point of application that I was going to get to is on one end you have people who utilize this verse and and reject all type of human wisdom and teaching, right? I've got the Holy Spirit, I've got the Bible. That's all I need. I don't need the church, right? We reject that. On the other side, you have to be very careful with the people that you are allowing to lead and guide you, right? And I have found, and this is something that we like, it's something that we we really emphasize on the reformatory also, which is the importance of the local church pastor in the life of his congregation, right? right? Because here's the thing, there are a lot of individuals out there that I have learned from that are not my pastors, right? I'm a big Spurgeon guy. I love R.C. Sproul, right. right? There's a lot of guys who have been used in by God in mighty, mighty ways that have that the Lord has used to teach me, right? And to and to and to expose like things in my heart and theology, and that's all good. Like I praise the Lord for that, but none of them are my pastors. None of them have their feet under the kitchen table with me and helping me. Right. None of them are invested in my life. None of them are caring for my soul. Mm-hmm. None of them are shaping their sermons uh, around like what what does what does what do I believe the Holy Spirit has has to teach our people here, right? Like none of them are doing this, and this is why something that that we say often is. It is a point of concern to me, going back to what you said, when when you ask people, who's your favorite preacher? Who's your favorite pastor, right? Their own local church pastor is rarely the one they mention. Right. And that, to me, is a concern. Yeah. Because we have such access to all of these minds and all of these sermons and all of these podcasts and all of these articles, right? And on one hand, I'm thankful for that. Because yeah. of the resources that are available that we can utilize and send to people, right? And, and and that I do. But it's a double-edged sword that we have to be discerning and and utilize wisdom as Christians. Certainly. And understand that none of those resources are meant to replace the influence that your local church pastor is supposed to have in your life. Yeah. And too many Christians allow those resources to take precedence over their own pastors, yeah, without sure. e- without even meaning to, sometimes, right. right? And it's a very insidious thing, and we have to be careful because you 
the Lord has placed those pastors, your elders, in your life for a specific purpose, right? He hasn't given you these these famous guys as your pastors. He's given you these guys as your pastors, right? And we need to understand that God did that on purpose because he wants those pastors in your life to be primary. It's not that we can't learn from other people. It's not that we can't uh, thank the Lord for the resources that are out there. But we need to be very careful as Christians, especially Christians who would be, you know, consider themselves to be reformed, right? Who enjoy the theology and all of the articles and all this stuff, that it does not take precedence over the wisdom that God has given our own pastors in our life. Because those pastors are the ones that know you. Yeah. And those are the ones that are going to be able to specifically take the truths of God and apply them to your life in a way that is actually meaningful because they know you. <laughs> yeah. Well, even thinking of the, to, you know, to return to the practical application side in the in this specific exposition. Right. One of the things I was talking about in the sermon was the need to be, <clears throat> the need to be discerning um, in, in being aware of false teachers. And in that reality of needing to be discerning, one of the greatest things the local church should have i it's it's something to mourn when when the church doesn't have it but what the what the church should have <clears throat> is a a biblically sound set of elders who are seeking to preach and teach what accords with sound doctrine and refute those who contradict it that is literally the words of Paul to Titus about yeah. the work of an elder and the local church you got you have two sides to it the local church should be financially supporting as many elders as possible because that allows for the elder to not mingle uh, between uh, matters of the world and matters of the word. Sure. But to focus on the study of the word, the ministry of the word and prayer, and even and the care for the congregation exactly. through those things. Exactly. So when the congregation comes and is asking really important questions like, how do we abide? How do we seek to be discerning the elder is 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 someone who has sought to study those things to be aware and it goes shoulder to shoulder and so you need pastors who are discerning and you need them you need those pastors to be walking alongside the rest of the church and so that that really i think kind of brings us to a couple other questions we were asked yeah um the first one was what resources books or podcasts or or any other resources would you suggest or encourage for someone to look into to grow in their knowledge of church history. And this is really, this is a great point because uh, not only is uh, is um, the, the pastor to share, like, here's where I've been studying and here's what I've preached on and here's what I've shared about church history, but the pastor should be able to name some books and some, some other resources. I will say one that I'm pretty sure it was Ligonier who put out. There's uh, 60 Seconds in Church History. Oh, see, no, so no, it's five minutes in church history. Five minutes, okay. That's the one I was going to suggest with yeah. uh, Stephen Nichols. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a great podcast. There is a that's really great. And then you go a little bit deeper with Robert Godfrey, mm. and Robert Godfrey has some fantastic uh, videos, teachings, uh, some podcast content on church history. And then if you really want to go into the depths of church history, um, 
you can go to oh man i'm i'm uh, forgetting his name i think it's needham uh 2000 years of christ's power that is a like almost five volume set today and he has uh, some in-depth church history stuff and that question came because of something i had said in the exposition which was in discipleship today uh, the two things that tend to be eradicated from discipleship in the local church are the study on the doctrine of the church, which is called ecclesiology, and the st- our study of church history. So we don't know how the church is called to be pure mm-hmm. and set apart from the world, how we are to defend against these deceivers, and we don't know how the church has stood against these deceivers for thousands of years. And so those are some pretty big... Uh, options, but especially the five-minute one. What did you say, uh, Stephen Nichols? Yeah, yeah, correct? yeah. Yeah, five minutes in church history, Stephen Nichols. It's put out by uh, Ligonier. It's solid. Uh, and you are right. Uh, the 2,000 Years of Christ Power is Nick uh, Needham. It looks yeah, like there's Nick. four or five volumes. Yeah. Something like that. So I believe there's four, and he's and he's almost got the fifth coming out. So uh, that those would be some great resources. Yeah. Um, I, I would also say in regards to church history, um, uh, Robert Godfrey also has a book, um, and it's a great summary. He has a couple books. I think if you just look up Robert Godfrey and look up what he's done on church history, you will find both brief and short books and long books. Um, so those are a couple of, um, uh, of resources. Um, another question we were asked was, I am busy and often tired from my work and other responsibilities. Can you give ideas for how to fit in theological studies since my plate already feels so full? Hmm. That's a really good question. It's a great um, question. Yeah, because absolutely. We, we do need to grow in theological study. I would say the first is um, don't try to pick up any book if it's taking place of the scriptures. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm definitely a proponent of reading theological books, um, but that should not take away from your devotional time, which is very doctrinal. Um, that shouldn't take away from your devotional time in the Word um, each and every day. Um, you need to be nourished as well as educated. So I would say that. But also... Um, when it comes to fitting in theological studies, I think there are some some great podcasts, and we can even share this on social media, um, some other podcasts that really deal with um, uh, theological subjects. There was a podcast for a while. It was a Reformed Theology podcast that had like five, ten-minute episodes um, on a single theological topic. Mm. And yeah. it's, it's not... Uh, around anymore, which really bums me out. I can't remember the name, but there are some um, uh, great uh, works out there. But how to fit them in? I think first examine uh, all that you've got going on in your work and your responsibilities, and yeah. ask some questions. You know, in order to be both discerning and and seek some of that education, we have to be able to have some time and time when we're not exhausted. People who sit down to read theological books at the end of the day often are tired and giving fumes to that work. Right. Um, And so I think the first thing we have to do is examine our life and ask, man, is there areas of my work or my responsibilities, my tasks 
of which I'm giving energy to things that cause me to be exhausted as I approach God's word. Well, now we're not just talking about how that affects our, our ability to be uh, discerning. It also affects our ability to be abiding. Yeah. And that's John's first point. Listen, don't go out uh, like these false teachers who are not truly abiding. They just have the appearance of of remaining. But you are to truly remain. Remain in the in the truth of Christ, in Christ himself, and in your confession of who Christ really is. Mm-hmm. And so I would say the first thing is ask some, maybe some honest questions. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a big thing that is a need is for us to ask, is what I'm doing truly glorifying God? Does this care for my family? How much time do I have allotted in my week for the local church and my time with other brothers and sisters to seek to grow in theological studies? And and I would say to to not not ask those questions um, in a vacuum, right? Mm-hmm. To be bringing bringing people into those discussions, right? I think I think pri- primary if you're married, your spouse, right? Because right. this is something that that is beneficial for you guys to be doing together, right? Because I think I think couples that study theology together, I think is a it's a fantastic. Stay See, I was just gonna say that <laughs> I wasn't gonna make the joke. And well, then, I got you. and then you made it. Thank I got you. you. That's right. Yes, exactly. Um, I so so I think it's something that that is is enjoyable and beneficial for husbands and wives to do together. Right. Um, yeah. That's not that's not the boat everyone's in. Right. But but as you're making as you're asking these kind of self evaluation questions, um, don't be doing it on your own. Right. Because you want the wisdom of people in your life that will be able to tell you like, Hey, I, that, you know, that's a little extreme cutting out, you know, half your work week to study theology. I'm, I probably wouldn't suggest that, <laughs> you know, um, I, I, I've often, I think seen people just kind of make these decisions on their own and then it just causes more problems. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so bring your wife into it, bring your pastors into it. Right. I think it's something that, that, it's a really good thing to want to do, um, but also utilize kind of the wisdom that God has given you around you to help kind of you know, figure out what perhaps to, you know, take a break from for a little bit, um, what perhaps to add. Um, I mean, and just on a practical way, like I find it very difficult, especially at the end of the day to sit down and open up like Calvin's Institute's or Burkoff's his Theo and just start reading, right? Like I find that difficult for me to do, right? I find sure. that difficult just in general, much less at the end of the day, right? I do think that there are some other resources that can be utilized that are a little bit more, I don't know if relaxing is the right word, but, but, but easier to learn. Something that I've utilized a lot um, are a lot of the resources that uh, Ligonier puts out. And they put them out kind of primarily for almost like Sunday school kind of uh, lessons that you can put on. It's like a 20, 25-minute uh, teaching, and then they leave the second half for discussion, right? But R.C. Sproul puts out a whole bunch. Um, you were talking about Godfrey. He puts out a whole bunch. Ligonier has got so much resources that uh, you can you can pop on and here's R.C. Sproul walking you through the attributes of God or the or the doctrine of God's holiness, yeah. right? That, to me, has been so valuable in my life um, because it's one that's... It's, it's, 
it's something that's accessible for me. Yeah. And it's not as daunting as looking at all of the volumes of Calvin's Institutes and thinking, okay, let's, I'm going to slog <laughs> through this, right? Sure. Right. They're very, very bite sized, easy to remember, easy to contemplate, easy to have discussions over. Um, I have found just that as a practical means, those resources that uh, Ligonier puts out to be really, really beneficial just for personal engagement in a more theological realm. Yeah, I think this obviously brings up a point, you know, where we could probably spend the next 20 minutes naming all the resources that are so valuable yeah, to us. Yeah, absolutely. It shows the 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 reason why um, church members going to their pastors becomes valuable. Because it's not just about, you know, I mean, hopefully pastors are not just self-promoting themselves all the time and saying, read my latest book on right. this. Listen I Listen to the Reformatory. Yeah. We, we talk about church stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, there are tons of great resources, but it really does show that, again, you mentioned not doing these things in a vacuum. I think that's really valuable. I mean, again, for wives that are asking this question, your husband should be a resource to you. I mean, literally in Ephesians, Paul talks about how we love our wives is how Christ loved the church. And in Ephesians 5, verse 26, he says, he did that, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. And so we need to care about our wives' nourishment, and and pastors need to care about the nourishment of the word for their sheep. And so in that, I think the encouragement, you know, even practical application is not just for those at Redeemer, but at any church who might be listening is, go ask your pastor. Go ask your pastor what what theological works would he recommend? And, and, you know, everybody is at a different place in their theological study. One person might be reading Burkhoff in that big systematic theology. One person might need a page summary of what does the word systematic theology mean? And yeah. they're in different places. And so, again, we all have a need to be abiding, to be discerning, and to be remembering um, God's great work um, in and through Christ. And so in light of that, I think the great reminder for us is to always go back to remembering God gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, and shepherds for a very specific reason. And today, what's funny, I mentioned this in my sermon, what people often want to do is reinstate the office of apostle, prophet, and evangelist. And yet those have ceased. And what continues today is the office of shepherd teacher. And so we need, doesn't mean that pastors have all the answers. By God's grace, I, I, I am able to continue to study and grow, but I don't know everything. But together, I think that what the church really needs is shepherds who care for them and not say, well, you better be reading this, but let me let me walk with you shoulder to shoulder. Let's be discerning together. And here are the countless resources that have been edifying, not only for my education, but for my edification. And and with that comes a responsibility for the church member to hear the I want to be very careful how I say this because I, I don't want it to come across like I'm saying theology is not important <laughs> because it is important and it's vital. But sometimes, depending on where you are in your spiritual walk, 
right? And what your pastor, if your pastor's doing what they're supposed to, they're invested in your life and they know where you're at, right? Sometimes just reading strict theology is not what you need in that moment. <laughs> there are times where your pastor is going to be able to tell you, hey, look, I know, I know you want to study this thing, but I think this would be very, very beneficial for you in this time and place that the Lord has you in your life right now. And sometimes it's, it's, it's a book on suffering. Sometimes it's a book on trust. Sometimes it's a book on how to, how to deal with grief. Sometimes it's a book on how to be more content with the, you know, the place where, where God has you, right? Because they see these things in your life because they're your pastor and they want to care for your soul. Right. And, and within those things is going to be theology. We can't help it, right? Theology is in everything that we do, right? But sometimes just strictly reading, you know, the Institutes or reading Burkhoff is not going to be what's most beneficial for you in that moment. doesn't mean that it, it can't be later down the line, right? But my encouragement would be to trust your pastors also, when they suggest things to you that might not be exactly the thing that you are thinking you want to read, right? Yeah. Um, because sometimes the Lord uses your pastors to speak into your life in a way that you didn't even know you needed, right? And it's like, hey, instead of Burkhoff's systematic theology, why don't we uh, why don't we take this this Spurgeon book on suffering? Let's walk through it together, uh, or you know, f- fill in the blank something something more practical, right? Sometimes that happens, right? And I think it's a good practice to be uh, to be open to where your pastors are are leading you in that, because I think in that is often the Holy Spirit utilizing them in that role uh, to further sanctify you. Yeah. You know, when we concluded the exposition, the question was, are you abiding in Christ? Yeah. And that was really all-encompassing of the exposition on the subject of how we are to be abiding in the Lord, how we are to be abiding, remaining in what our genuine confession was, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is the Christ and also to be remaining in sound doctrine. And so I would even say one final application is examine the doctrine and life of your elders. Oh, um, yeah. Examine, examine how they live. Why do they believe what they believe? You know, again, out of all the books I could give people, I would say one thing I, I long for, and not that irritates me if people haven't, but something I long for is for people in my own context to study the confession we hold. Not every church is confessional. Our church is. We hold to the Second London Baptist Confession. I would love if people would would more often say, can we go paragraph by paragraph through mm, this? Yeah. We've done that with different brothers, and it's been very, very edifying. And I remember watching just one example of that when we were reading an exposition of the confession in regards to the garden and creation and covenants. And I remember watching a brother just light up when he realized a theological truth around the garden. Yeah. And that was that was theological, that was relational, and and that continued to help him understand who God is and how God relates in covenants. And so again, I think abiding in Christ is not only it should not just be a mantra of something we say we better be abiding you know we got to keep remaining but something we are actively doing and remember that 
we are to persevere and we also have God's preservation. Mm-hmm. That was a big thing I brought up out of chapter 17 of our confession was that the elect will never be moved. Even if they struggle, if they are tempted or they suffer, they will never be moved from what the confession says is the foundation and rock to which they are anchored by faith. And I think that's a great encouragement. Um, ask important questions. Speak, speak or Seek to study sound doctrine. Ask your pastors those questions and continue to abide. 100%. Cosign on that. <laughs> Love it. Wait for the time when you answer me and you go, uh, 98%. Yeah. <laughs> and instead of 100%, you're just like, eh, 90, 98. Eh, 98%. Not 98%. fully on board with that, but 98. Just because I don't like your face. <laughs> <laughs> could be worse. You could have done the, the video announcer voice. Oh, I forgot. I got to bring it back. Thank you for listening to Practica. <laughs> We're out. No. Uh, no, yeah. No, all good stuff. I really... Yeah, cosine on hundred percent, hundred percent. Stop <laughs> making fun of me. Stop making fun of me. Um, yeah, so we appreciate you guys listening. We uh, appreciate the questions. They always, they always give us something to talk about, which helps. Like uh, the, the questions really do help um, because it also gives you know us an idea of kind of where you guys are at, how you're processing things, what are you thinking, uh, what are things we can emphasize more, what needs to be explained more, right? It's, it's really, really good and healthy. So we thank you for the questions. Um, you know where you can reach us. We're on all the socials at Practicapod. Um, you can head over to the website too, uh, www.practicapod.com. Yes. I'm never going to remember. He, you, I'm, you I always, struggled. I'm always I was waiting for a fourth W. www.practicapodpod.org. <laughs> dot net dot church dot com at aol.com <laughs> yes no one's ever gonna visit again no, no. they're not gonna know it's, nobody visits now yeah. it's like, <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> whatever man um so yeah we thank you guys for listening reach out with any questions you got we appreciate uh, all of the interaction thank you for listening to this ep have an awesome week <laughs>